This is Young Gun, a podcast about Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. I'm Dimitri Ravanis, a Bama grad. She is Lauren Brown, the biggest Panthers fan I know, and we are following the team with a microscope on its new franchise quarterback. You can see the uh, the recording situation a little bit different this week, uh, and you can probably hear in my voice, crazy sick, don't want to get Lauren sick. Um, and this, Lauren, has shockingly nothing to do with the Panthers' play. This is just a virus going around as opposed to this team slowly trying to kill us all. Yeah, very slowly and agonizingly so because yeah. there's nothing like there's nothing to look for hopeful on the horizon. There's right. nothing to go, oh, at least that's coming. What's coming? <laughs> yeah. What wh- what is my hope? And this is this is kind of the problem too because not only is it what is your hope, it is on a on a day like today what is the point in even looking back with a critical eye on the Bears game? Because A, it was a Thursday night game. It's so far in the past. And B, it's the same old forgotten it. Right. No, no, <laughs> I, I haven't either. But it's like, you know, we know we know the story, right? As yeah. the game goes on, Bryce gets more frustrated and his balls look birdie and slip uh look worse and worse <laughs> the uh the entire time. The running game can't get going. There's no protection. Uh, the defense plays as hard as they can until like you and they can wear down. See, yep. Yeah, there is this letdown, whether it is physical and maybe too a little bit emotional of, uh, you know, these sure. really talented guys wondering what's the point anymore. Right. What's the point? Yeah, they they wear down 100 percent. I mean, and also it's just like it's not a smart football team. They make mistake yep. after mistake after mistake. And it's it's mind numbing because you're like, you can't afford to do this. And yet there they are, like getting some sort of procedural penalty or whatever it is, like right out of the gate. It's it's do you know, I mean, it was a Thursday night. There were so many things I could have been watching. The yeah. big bro finale was live. I've watched, I didn't like the season, <laughs> but it was gonna enrage me less than the Panthers game. There were so many things I could have been doing with my Thursday night. All of us could have. And instead, we had to watch that team embarrass us all on television yet again. It's not even the first time they've done it on national TV as the only game this season. Like I, I it's will not, acknowledge I'm tired of it. I, I will acknowledge for me what made it all the more frustrating was having to fight with Amazon the whole time just to get the game to look like it would on normal television. Listen, I get this is the way sports is going on television. Streaming is a thing that we all have to put up with, but my God, the game just looked bad on oh, Amazon. That's it. I, yeah, I, we had different experiences. Of, I, I don't know why. I mean, generally, oh, if there's I, any I sort of streaming. Why. I can tell you exactly why. Two teenagers that are also taking up all the bandwidth <laughs> in this house. <laughs> okay, that's probably why, I <laughs> <Yeah>. guess. But <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone in that either. No, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, they, they definitely weren't ready for the overload, probably, of Bef- people wanting to watch. Before, <laughs> certainly not for this case. Uh, before we dive into the bulk of the show, we do have to tell you that every week, uh, Young Gun is brought to you by the fine folks at Graffiti. I hope they think that the uh, show was a good investment. Certainly, this football team is not. 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. Uh, it is where Lauren and I like to watch football because I've got 19 TVs there ready for you each and every Sunday. Not just with the TVs, but with the drink specials as well. Those bourbon pour specials at $10, 9 and $8. There they are up on the screen right now. You can find exactly what it is you want to drink and exactly the kind of watching experience you want. Maybe you're a diehard fan that you're locked into every game. You're not going to miss it on those 19 TVs. Maybe you are a casual fan that likes to socialize while you watch a game. 
totally fine. Don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but totally fine. Also, uh, there is those axe throwing lanes outside of NFL Sundays. Uh, graffiti is just a party, man. Did you see they have boy band madness coming up this week? Oh, oh, that's exciting. I if love that. I, it, I thought about texting you and saying, let's go. And then I started to feel like hot garbage. Um, so Aww. go and enjoy it for me, I suppose. I will. Thank Maybe. You. We'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling. <laughs> I haven't been feeling so great myself the last couple of years. So I don't know that I'm going anywhere. But when I do, I do try to go to graffiti, among other places, because I love it there. 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. If you've not experienced a football Sunday at graffiti, do it this Sunday for the first time. Uh, all right, Lauren Brownlow, we start the show every week by asking, was Bryce too short this week? Do we do we even need to ask? I mean, he was not even throwing tight spirals by the second no. quarter of that game. No, no. Yeah, it was bad. It was I don't know that that had anything to do with his height specifically. Right. But yeah. No, uh, I mean, it's, it's, he certainly didn't look like he was old enough to be playing NFL quarterback. I mean, there's got to be some correlation there. I, I did text you before the game when they were showing. Um, Is it Bagent? Is that how you say his name? Bagent. Tyson Bagent? Bagent, excuse me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm mad I even have to learn this. It's the Panthers <laughs> fault that I do. Okay. After I recorded with uh, Taylor last week, she texted me a pronunciation guide. And oh, I texted nice. her back. I don't think I'm ever going to use that again, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you know, whatever. It, it's fine. But they were both warming up. And I was like, I want to hand them both skateboards because yes. they were they had the hoodies on, right? Like the brown hoodies and they're warming up and they both look quite young. So it was yeah. like, I just wanted to hand them skateboards and let them go do some tricks for me. Tyson Bajant looks like a tall version of Michael Sarah Circa Superbad. I, can, I, I feel like he doesn't have the innocent eyes. Like oh, the, well, the, that's because his father is a professional uh, arm wrestler. Did you hear a million times what? during the broadcast? I didn't. I, I you know, I, I probably wasn't listening very much for through all my swears, <laughs> all the swearing I was doing. Uh, all right. Let's dive into something that at least has been the focus of my week on social media, uh, because I tweeted this out during the game that I can't believe I'm saying this, but at this point, you have to bench Bryce Young. Uh, this is actually setting him back the way this team is playing. Certainly, his play is a problem as well, but you combine that tweet with the rant I unleashed last week about the idea of wanting Sam Howell for the long-term over Bryce being absurd. And Lauren, the DMs have been busy this week. The DMs oh, no. have been busy with people that seem to think my mind is going to change. But either way, I, I do think we're at a crossroads here of... People already were not feeling the trade because of how much was given up. Certainly what CJ Stroud is doing does and that's not a help. conversation worth having, right? Absolutely. Like you can't go back and change it. They made the trade. And so at that point it's its own decision. Yeah. And once you've made that trade, like you're going to pick one of those guys. We all I, understand I, that. I would also argue that I think it is fair to say that there is no quarterback regardless of um, your situation yeah. that is worth that kind of trade package for. No rookie right. quarterback, I should say, um, that is worth that kind of trade package for. Well, it that all depends on what you already have, I think, at least a little bit. and But right. the Panthers didn't already have enough, right, to make you think that that would be worth doing. It's not like they had a bunch of weapons on their roster and they were like, well, we just need the quarterback. Like, that's not yeah. the case. It was never the case. And so for them to trade away first round draft capital, it was it just never made any sense. 
No, for sure. And this is sort of what I, because I've been thinking on this all weekend of yeah. how to phrase this exactly, because I, I don't think I'm wrong. I would still rather have Bryce than Sam Howell for the long term. That being said, I do think that you can look at CJ Stroud and say, was he better prepared to come into the NFL? Yeah, probably. But mm -hmm. he would be coming into the exact same situation that Bryce Young was if he were a Panther. I don't think that he would be doing that much better than Bryce Young no. is doing right now. That's not because I don't think he's better. He certainly looks better right now. I'm. It's yep. because I don't know how this is a situation where anyone except for maybe one or two quarterbacks could could thrive much or survive even much yeah. less thrive. You know what I mean? Like I maybe, maybe Cam Newton at some points in his career would have done more with it. Maybe, but again, it, he dealt with plenty like this too. Like actually Bryce has some better receivers maybe even than Cam did at times, but he, but his O-line is significantly whatever it's it, the point is, this is not a situation meant for anyone to thrive in offensively. So unless yeah. you've got a guy back there, that's like a miracle worker at quarterback, it's not going to happen for you. It's just yeah. not because the personnel is not good enough. So here's what I'll say about my Sam Howell take last week. Where I did go overboard is he will be a starter for somebody uh, going forward. He will be. I still don't think it's going to be in Washington. I think a new owner is going to come in and want to put his own stamp on the franchise. That is not a matter of how Sam is playing at all. That is just, you know, billionaire mindset. It's just, it's that franchise. Like, hello. Yeah, that's also very fair. It's that franchise. Where quarterbacks go to not do well long term. Yeah. Sorry. The the other thing I think you have to point out uh, in the in the scenario where Sam Howell is drafted by the Carolina Panthers is we are still talking about Dave Tepper firing Matt Rule, and that probably comes with a full on reset. You know, I mean, look, mm -hmm. the, the Panthers did draft Matt Corral. They could have followed the same path. I don't think Corral was as uh, talented as Sam Howell, but they got the same kind of quarterback and they, and they traded up to draft him right. as well. They could right. have, but they could have drafted him there. Yes, they absolutely could have drafted him in that round. Yeah, and, and but they didn't, they didn't even they they got a late round quarterback or a mid round quarterback. I guess is more fair, and didn't even give him a chance. I don't think it would have been any different with Sam Howell. And again, that is not a reflection on Howell. That is a reflection of the reality of the situation. Right. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I tend to agree. Like, if you want to go back to that point and say that's who they could have had, like. Okay, fine. Like, yeah. I, I, we can all agree they've made a ton of bad decisions. But, I mean, you could. Why aren't we throwing Lamar Jackson into this mix? Why is no one doing that? Yeah, very fair. I, very fair. To me, that's because that is an answer. He is a franchise quarterback. If you don't know that at this point, then you've probably got other reasons to feel that way. I mean, so. honestly, if you are going to put together that kind of trade package, like shouldn't Lamar Jackson rather than a rookie be <laughs> PS, the kind of He's target? one of the only quarterbacks that I think is capable of making plays, but with an <laughs> offense this terrible. Uh, right? You know why you're you know why you think that? Because he did that already. Yeah, he's done it. He did it at yeah. Louisville. He's done it some with Baltimore as well. Like we've seen it. He we've seen him carry teams before. And to be fair. You did see some of that at Alabama with Bryce. Maybe it was a little more exaggerated because what's a bad team for Bama ain't a sure. bad team for most people. Like, sure. like let's be real. So yeah, maybe yeah, that's that part is, of it too. That is totally real. Don't forget uh, each and every Tuesday night, you can see the show on Origin Sports Television. It is one of the fast channels. If you have Samsung TV Plus, Roku, Zumo, Amazon Freebie, you have Origin Sports TV. We are on every Tuesday night. At 7, it is an abbreviated version of this show if you're used to getting it on YouTube or a podcast platform. But 
we do hope you'll take the time to watch because we would like to be on that uh, network for as long as they would have us. So if you have not watched us on Origin Sports yet, make time to do so uh, this week. By the way, Lauren, I believe we come on Origin Sports at a replay right before college football on Saturday as well. Ooh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah, my uh, somehow my son has set our TV as soon as you turn it on to immediately go to origin. Oh, and smart. Uh, yes, and uh, at 11 o'clock on Saturday, there we were. So who knows? Uh, let's dive into a, a report from Diana Rossini, who you probably know from ESPN. She is now with The Athletic. She had a report late in the week last week about the state of things with a lot of teams, but she led off with Dave Tepper and the Carolina Panthers, and she reported some stuff that we already knew. Dave Tepper is not happy with the offense. He wants to see more improvement. He This is something that I never knew about Tepper before. He openly acknowledges that he is impatient when it comes to his coaches. Like, I I did I not mean, realize he was that Look at his history. Yeah look, no, at I, even, yeah. look at even his soccer team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, by the way, do you think do you think it is fair to say the Panthers have had five head coaches in five years? I, I don't think you can count the uh, the interims. I don't think you can count Steve Wilkes only because it was very clear from the jump that David Tepper was never going to take him seriously because he's not a big, shiny football name that all his friends would be impressed by. Yeah. So, um, no, I right, almost so, don't count that. So Sadly. here are the things that I thought were because it was their most successful coach in his tenure was the one he didn't <laughs> actually want. Right. Uh, here are the things out of the report that I did think were interesting. The entire front office, at least according to Rossini's report, is still bought in on the idea that Bryce is the guy. They are unhappy with the coaching situation right now. But even more shocking was that what Scott Fitterer loved about Frank Reich was the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl run of 2017, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Lauren, was not last year. No, it was... um. Ooh, that's six years. Oh, six years ago, hmm. six years okay. ago. And, and look, that was an impressively called Super Bowl. That was a very good offensive team that pivoted on a dime when they lost their, what they thought was their franchise quarterback mm -hmm. in the middle of the season. But it's not like there hasn't been tape of what Reich's flaws as a head coach were between now. and then. Right. I, yeah. And I think, look, I, I think my biggest issue with Reich so far too, is that, I don't see them trying anything different. Yeah. Like what throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. The, and, when they attempted a 59 yard field goal in that game, I almost threw something like yeah. I, you are one and seven. Right. Why are you doing that? Just go for it. Like stop with this. It, it, it is it, to your point about it's so painfully conservative of game plan is yeah. it really kind of flies in the face of what we were hearing about the staff he was building up in the preseason, right? Frank Reich, former NFL quarterback. Josh McCown, former NFL quarterback. Thomas Brown, up-and-coming offensive play caller with the respect. You know, Bomani pointed this out on the talk-through a couple of weeks ago. Whether or not he has ever called plays before, the fact that Thomas Brown had the Sean McVay stamp of approval and was given assistant head coaching duties by Sean McVay speaks to the fact that he mm -hmm. certainly understands X and O football. There was a lot of reason to be optimistic about how all in they were on making this work for a young quarterback. And it doesn't seem yeah. to be showing up on the field. No, no, it doesn't. And you don't see anything innovative or different at all. That's yeah. the other, you, like you said, it's so conservative. 
I mean, it's like it, you might as well have Brian Ferenc out there calling the offense. It feels like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to exaggerate, but at the same time, that's what it, I mean. That that is how inept the offense looks at times. Like it just it just is. They can't run the ball. The offensive line looks awful. Like half the time he drops back, he doesn't have time to throw. When he does have time, he he I think he panics a little too soon. Now he and that's what I'm concerned about. Right? Is that the the breakdowns on the offensive line, the lack of receivers to throw to he doesn't trust anybody on this team right now. And that's, that's hard to do when you're the quarter, you have to trust your receiver's going to be where you think they're supposed to be. You have to trust that somebody's going to pick up that blitz. Why would he trust that at this point? Like there's, he's, he's been betrayed and let down over and over again. Yeah. To to your point about, you've got to trust someone is going to pick up the blitz. I I think also the fact that he is, he's got to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he is definitely, he definitely took hits at Alabama, right? Like this is not Mm -hmm. brand new to him, but I have not like they're, vi- they're the more violent now. Games. Well, not yeah. only are they more violent, he is more uh, reticent to take them now. And so you see things like just those, I mean, physically ugly passes that he threw on Thursday yes. night, like passes that looked like he was just learning what American tackle football was. Uh, yeah. And that, you know, that that cannot uh, persist. Uh, speaking of the midweek talk through, it comes out each and every Thursday. It is me and somebody that is following the NFL with a more analytical eye. This week, we are going to dive into offensive line play. We don't have a guest set quite yet, but uh, but we are going to get into the offensive line of it all. Wherever you get this podcast, you can also get the midweek talk through. Uh, it drops each and every Thursday uh, here as part of uh, Young Gun. Uh, Lauren, I, you know, we've talked a lot about the offensive line. We obviously talk a lot about Bryce on this podcast. I think that we have been not critical enough of how bad the run game is. And I know a lot of that has to do. I with mean, I might have, line. to be fair. I did Maybe. have an, I made up an acronym for Miles Sanders, but yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> but I, I do think that, and look, I'm just as guilty of this as you are. So don't think yeah. that I'm saying this is you, but like, I think the change from Sanders to Hubbard, like we we put so much on Sanders because of what he makes that we give Chuba Hubbard a benefit of the doubt that he has not earned. Like the, the run game yeah. has been straight up bad this year. Uh, real quick, yeah. before you dive in, let me just throw some stats out there. Bottom quarter of the league in yards per game, just over 90 yards per game. Number 26 in yards per carry, just under four, which that's not actually terrible. But when you consider right, that, that the yeah, I, I am too, because here's the thing. When you look at the leading rusher stats for games that have been played this season, in three games, the leading rusher for the Panthers has had less than 30 yards. In five games, the leading rusher for the Panthers has had less than 50 yards. In no game has a running back topped 100 yards on the ground in this season. This running game is ba- it's hopelessly bad. Right. It, it puts even more on your quarterback as well. Of and that's that, that that's obviously like, yes, you would love to have a good running game, but that's the reason is because right. they have to worry about it and they don't have to worry about it. They just don't because it's not threatening. And yeah, I mean, that's part of it. The I don't know if it's blocking. I don't know if it's the backs. I don't know if it's a combination of the two. And and I want to be a little fair to Miles Sanders. I, I was seeing some rumblings that he might have been playing hurt a little earlier this year. And so, you know, I get that. That, that may have been why he wasn't perform, uh, performing quite as well. And, and look, if we're going to give the pass that we, not a pass, but if we're going to kind of put it in context with Bryce about what he's dealing with, I think it's also fair to put it in context with these two a little bit too, of like, sure. 
you know, but at the same time, yeah, it's frustrating to watch. It just feels like they have no way to generate anything resembling a running game. And obviously Bryce is not necessarily capable of adding that. I think we've learned that as well. And that's, you know, not frustrating, but I mean, it would help. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen in the last two weeks is that Bryce is capable of picking up a first down for you on a scramble. He is not yes. the kind of quarterback you design a run game for. You don't. Yeah, yep. he's not going to get design runs. No. I, I wonder how much of the run game's problem is the combination of the line, and I don't just mean the lack of quality. I mean the injuries on the line. Yeah. And also, again, that conservative playbook. I, I mean, I don't know that I have seen Miles Sanders or Chuba Hubbard uh, or Raheem Blackshear, for that matter, take the ball on a pitch more right. than half a dozen times total. Up the middle. Right up, up the, the middle, middle isn't time. it? And I was going to say, like, give me if I gave you, like, how many times on first down have they run it up the middle? Go, oh. I'd love to go through a play-by-play and see. I bet you it's almost every time. You know who else knows that? The defense does. It, so it's interesting that both you and I say that. And by the way, we both say it like it is matter of fact. And yet you do see these stats that the Panthers are throwing the like the, the run to pass ratio. The Panthers are number four in the league in terms of the number of passes thrown. And I understand that like screen patterns are a part of that, but boy, it, it does seem like they should be How making more progress. How many pass the line of scrimmage, right. That, yeah, it does seem like they should be making more progress down the field if that is true, yeah. uh, not just a letter, but in spirit, Go this right? way, this way, <laughs> right. not this way, that yes, we way. Need, we need air, those are air traffic controllers on yeah. the ground in the end zone. Or you can uh, go this way even. You could go around, sure. around and through, around. Just don't go just here or definitely don't go here. Do Sorry. you think that some of the <laughs> lack of uh, of creativity in the run game, do you think some of that is affected by the fact that, like, clearly LaVisca Chenault has not been healthy all year? Otherwise, I feel like we would have seen him more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. But I don't know that that, like, it's hard for me to look at LaVisca Chenault and just say, oh, well, that's the answer. You know what oh, I mean? For sure. It, it, I just don't. I mean, when's the last time? I mean, McCaffrey was the last great back they had. I understand that in the NFL nowadays, you don't need a dominant running back necessarily but if you're not going to have a dominant passing attack then it helps you know well, and maybe that was their attempt with the Sanders situation but he just does not even even if he was a little banged up at the beginning of the year that's not he's not that guy either so yeah. now what yeah I, I mean like you can look back at the history of Miles Sanders he had last year the that, that's it like there was a reason Philadelphia was not aching to bring that dude back he had last year that he looked like that. I, I do think it is disappointing that there was not like, you're right. It's not necessarily uh, imperative to have a dominant bell cow back anymore. But, but if you pay one, like one, you would hope, you know, but again, gotta, is he playing hurt? I don't know. You know, I'm not going to throw him under the bus too much because they got a lot of other problems, but there is a, in theory, skill set similar to Christian McCaffrey and Miles Sanders, just certainly yeah. not to the same level. Um, of course. And, and with that being the case, I am Although he's not, he drops passes like crazy. He certainly does. I'm surprised <laughs> there wasn't looking even further back in Panthers history to that sort of thunder and lightning approach they had with Stewart and D'Angelo uh, in the uh, in the mid. Don't put me in my feelings today, Dimitri. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. It just oh. feels. And, and look, I think this is probably the point of this podcast this season is it doesn't have to be this bad, and yet it is every week. It, it really doesn't have to be this bad. No, no. But I mean, 
It is. Like you said, it is. And so we just kind of have to acknowledge that it is what it is. But you're right, I think, to acknowledge that the run game hasn't been good enough either. And yeah. and, and it, I think it's just all tying in together, like you said, though. You know, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where it's predict. It's not that they're running too much. It's like when they're running. That's the problem. Right. You know, it's very predictable. You always know when they're about to run it, I feel like. Don't you? Yes, absolutely you do. You know exactly when they're about to run it, and you know where the ball is going when they run it. Yes, it's just a matter exactly. of to which side of the center is this uh, is this run going to go. <laughs> um, before uh, we dive into our next topic, I do want to tell you, by the way, the, the whole idea of it doesn't have to be this bad. Uh, if that it describes Don't say that. The, it always gets worse. No, no. If that describes the decorations on your house at Christmas, let Lauren and I uh, help you out. We are asking you to do us a favor, and we are going to pay you back in return. Wherever it is you get this podcast, YouTube, your favorite platform, whatever, like, review, and subscribe to the show. Send us proof that you uh, wrote a review to the OG Goes Digital at gmail.com. Also, send us a picture of the front of your house, and we are going to pick somebody in the triangle, and Lauren and I will decorate your home for Christmas. We do need to see the front of your house so I can get an idea of what it is we are working with. But we thought this would be a fun way to spread the Christmas cheer. It also helps spread the word about Young Gun. So if you've not already liked, subscribed, and left a review, please do so. We certainly want to make your holiday season uh, a little bit brighter, but we need you to scratch our back so that we can scratch yours. Uh, Lauren Brownlow. Yes. I, I request that we talk about anything else to end the show this week. Not the Panthers, not Bryce Young. Not how much the majority of this fan base wishes they instead had Sam Howell or CJ Stroud. I just don't want to talk about football anymore. I understand that. I do. I want to say one thing real quick, though, because I oh. said the commander's uh, quarterback that is where quarterbacks go to die. I mean, the Panthers, too. So, I yep. mean, I can't I can't say that that's not also true in Charlotte. I, I wasn't meant, meaning to imply that whatsoever, even, that the Panthers do not also kill the hopes and dreams of once promising young quarterbacks. Even the, I guess this is true of both franchises, right? Even the best quarterback in their history, yeah. that same franchise is what took them to their bitter, bitter end uh, in the, uh, in the NFL. Uh, all right, Lauren. So you and I both had a weekend at the movies and we both, unbeknownst to the other one, saw the exact same things. Yes. Well, I, I, I would like to think I inspired you to see the first, but maybe not. Maybe you were already going to see it. Uh, <laughs> the Killers so of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon. I definitely it had been on the like, where do I find three and a half hours to go watch right. this movie? That was and my then Lauren, issue. And then Lauren was texting me about it. And so I just decided on Friday night, uh, well, I'm going to go to the movies and, and uh, watch Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, beyond excellent. Beyond yeah. excellent. Uh, yes. Martin Scorsese at 80, uh, A, still got it. B, has certainly figured out who the people are that can best translate the vision in his head. Because if I told you Southern oil baron, Robert De Niro is not who springs to mind. No, probably not, actually. No, but he <laughs> loves working with De Niro. He's always going to have De Niro you know, in kind of a major role. And look, you got to get past the Southern accent, but I think De Niro makes that kind of easy. Um, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's it's not like Al Pacino doing a Southern accent. No, it's, it's not. not that bad. I mean, it's more just like occasional words. You're like, wow, that was literally New York accent, but that's fine. Right. Uh, you know, and plus a lot of people botch Southern accents in movies. It's infuriating. 
but it happens right. all the time. This was a less offensive botching. Um, and it's not, you forget it too, because he's just, he's also kind of a phony person in general in the movie yeah. too. So you kind of, it, it kind of works in a weird way. He was yeah. great. So quietly sinister, um, you know, and Leonardo DiCaprio, that's what you and I kind of got us talking to was about how great he was, but also Lily, Lily Gladstone as the lead, as the female lead, just excellent. Honestly, like I was, she was spellbinding to me. Like every yeah. time she was on screen, I'm just staring at her. Like she was so perfect. And I think Scorsese like met her on Zoom once and was like, she's in, she's the one. And she wasn't like, obviously she wasn't like a super well-known name or anything, but he he knew she was the one and he was right. And it was a really special movie. I think he put a lot of care into it and you could tell in terms of the subject matter and making sure that he dealt with it in a way that was respectful to the people and, and the families that went through it. I think one thing that you and I talked about, and I shared this theory with you Saturday after I saw it, is you said this is a horror movie. Like it's it's a drama, but really what this is is a I was tense the entire time. Right. So I didn't feel that way. I mean, I certainly understand why you did. I didn't feel that way watching it in real time. And it dawned on me Saturday that there is something if you are a probably if you are a Native American or if you are a woman that hits very differently about this movie. And I think it's designed that way. I really do. Like, I think the fact that you walk away saying this is a psychological horror movie, and I say, well, I see why you say that, but I didn't feel that way. I think that's part of Scorsese's genius at play here. Yeah, I mean, it can be different kinds of movies to different people, but it can still have a similar, you know, impact. And I know, yeah. I mean, Lily was actually tweeting about, um, you know, take care if you're, especially if you're native, because it can be a very difficult watch. And some people right. were, you know, some native people were even saying it was a little too much. And I understand that because the the brutality in it is treated in this almost matter of fact way that I think is, I think it's effective because it's jarring how yeah. matter of fact it is. And I think it sends the larger message home that like, that is how those people were, that, that they were treated by, those people was that it was just a matter of fact thing. Like they were, they didn't matter. And On, it was, uh, go ahead. <sighs> no, no. I mean, that was, but it, there, you feel this constant sense of danger. I feel like the entire movie because of the people you care about, you grow to care about in the movie and you, you're just like, they can't trust that guy. Like yeah, almost I, every white person, you're like, don't trust them. Do not trust them. <laughs> I would, I would say this uh, for anybody that has seen Killers of the Flower Moon. And I say this, like, acknowledge it up front. Dark Winds is not as good as Killers of the Flower Moon. The first season is on HBO Max. It is a good follow-up, though, because okay. it is a different era of history, and you get that same narrative of here is a vulnerable population that realizes what they are fighting against is mm -hmm. not, it's not the white man, it's not the U.S. government, it is the overbearing notion of we just do not matter so i i i walked away from killers of the flower moon thinking a little bit about dark winds and and dark winds has a it's a it's a murder mystery but it's also got a supernatural element so it's not the same thing at all but that that same um that same sense of dread of resigned dread uh hangs over the movie uh the whole this, time this movie was also the, beautiful the show yeah. If you're a film nerd, like I, the moment that they, when the Osage struck oil in the beginning, that part, I was like, my mouth was wide open. It was stunning. 
somebody listening to this or, or watching on YouTube will put in the comments. I cannot remember the woman's name, but Scorsese has worked with the same editor going all the way back to Goodfellas. And mm. there is a there is a reason like this woman. He just trusted this woman to really make the visuals not only pop, but flow perfectly from one holy shit to the next. Yeah. Um, he still has a little montage in him, which in a good way, of course, you know. It was, and, and then like just the way, I mean, the looks on the, ev everyone mattered in the frame, right? Yeah. Like it was all a part of the larger, there was no wasted detail. Like everybody that she walked past would have a certain demeanor. Like it was just, you know what I mean? It was really yeah. powerful in that way. And it really hits home um, on a lot of issues, I think. And I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't know how I was going to walk out of there. Cause I was like, it's sobbing for like the last half of the movie. But uh, so the so one of the things that we asked each other was, is this Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance? Um, it's and weird because it didn't start out that way for me either. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, I but it that. grew as the movie went along because you could tell he knew when to defer to Lily Gladstone and really like let her shine as well. Yeah. But when it was time for him to pick up his like, he did just that. Like he was the tension, just every little detail of his performance was so, so good in this movie. And it, yeah, it did get us talking like, what's his best? What is this his best performance? And it's hard with Leo because he is legitimately a great actor, like one of the best. I think either of us have ever seen, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I would I would tell you that I think in terms of where he is at his very best is being just a charming monster. And the charming mm -hmm. part is missing in this. So even though it's very good, I think that uh, Wolf of Wall Street and Catch Me If You Can are two... Like, man, that is that is the full nine yards of uh, of Leonardo DiCaprio in terms of performance. Uh, yeah, I, but in a way that's like easier, right? Because it's more for fun. Sure. And so for that's sure. why it's the degree of difficulty part for me that makes this very impressive because it's not fun to play this weak bully man that like yeah. has nothing, you know what I mean? Like it's not bully man, like being bullied. I mean, like yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of getting pushed around, no mind of his own kind of thing. It's not fun to play a guy like that either necessarily but you see it all over his face it was kind of a turn for him and then um but i am with you i mean i thought Django was a really good performance for him um for sure too i would put and then you got to look at gilbert gray i mean i know sure. it was a long time ago but i thought you know i thought he took a lot of care with that role even for that time you know yeah. where a, not a lot of actors did that I will I will tell you a a story about uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape. My mom, uh, my mom's cousin, uh, is a makeup artist in Hollywood, and for years was um, was Johnny Depp's personal makeup artist. She did everything that Johnny Depp worked on, including what's eating Gilbert Grape, and she was physically like shaken by the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio did not actually have Down syndrome when she met him, you know, upset because she was only doing Johnny Depp's makeup, right? She wasn't doing the whole cast, but yeah. it was, you're right. It was such a human portrayal of that condition in a time when we really didn't do that in the early no. 90s, right? No, it was, there are some very problematic films with trying to portray that. Yes. yes. Um, the other movie we both saw was The Marvels. Uh, like, it's it's not that bad. It's not great, but like Marvel movies just aren't great anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I would argue that they were never like great 
to begin with. That's yeah, just I, me. I, no, no, I'm with you. I think that the I think there are great ones. I I am with you. I don't think that. Yeah, is I loved black. Like I love Black Panther. For uh, one. I think I, I think the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies are. Yeah, as good those are some of my favorites. Yeah, came out. Agree. Agree. Okay, I I would put those up there as well. Yeah, but like the the ones that everyone was like freaking out about, like Infinity War and Endgame, I, they did nothing. They didn't do much for me. Yeah, I'm with so. you. I, I enjoyed Endgame. I when we got to the end of Infinity War, I thought so nobody. Nobody died that isn't obviously coming back. That feels like a big waste of three hours. I was furious. Okay. I was furious. I, thank you. I also was furious. Uh, two things real quick that the Marvels gets right. Number one, runtime. I don't need two and a half hours it to felt three long- hours it, to hear the The weird same thing story. is it felt longer than that to me. Maybe because the first half kind of drags. Um, the first half really does drag. But this is the other thing. It's so rare that those kind of movies, because you know the beats, you know where they're going, get better as they go along, and the Marvels did. Yeah, it did. No, it did. By the end, I was, yeah, I was enjoying it. And it, it, I was going to say, like, I was interested in some of the storylines because I saw, I loved WandaVision, and I know um, Professor Marvel or whatever they settled. Isn't that what they call her? That is that what they said? I don't remember. And that's the other thing, too. Like, half the day, I don't, I'm like, I don't remember this. I don't remember what this means. That's, I don't I remember who out. this is. I tweeted this out last night. It's a problem that I never knew the name of the bad guy. No idea what the bad guy's name was. Yeah. No, no. And I didn't care. Like, I was like, are we really doing this bad guy again? Like, yeah. ugh, we get it. You know, like, I just was, it was, it was tired to me. I'm like, we get it. Like, the person that is mad because they just, you know, Captain, like, somebody destroyed their land trying to save someone and they're going to hold a grudge forever. Okay, whatever. We get it. Like, fine. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm over it. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap on this. Just have someone that's just evil for fun. That's it's the same problem that Disney movies have now, right? Yeah. Like I get it. Self doubt is the bad guy. But motivation. Like, that's what I said. But where's Ursula? Right? Like that's the best villain. Ursula's just out there taking advantage of idiots. <laughs> God love her. Um, I mean, sorry. Read the contract. The it's a bad the, contract. The greatest coup for the MCU is to have somebody as talented as Brie Larson in a role as inconsequential and dumb as Captain Marvel. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I guess I just don't really get, I'm like, okay, so is she super, like, is she super powerful? Can she like beat everybody? Like what's, so why can't she beat this? I I, I don't understand it. I will admit to you. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't really either because I wasn't a comic books person, but I enjoyed the first Captain Marvel. My daughter loved the first Captain Marvel. Um, yeah. I think it is one of the prettier looking MCU movies. And the, she's the great. First one. Yeah, she's amazing. And she's awesome. And like for we're talking about great performance. The three women it's, in this movie are great. Yeah, like they're really fun and likable. Yeah, all we're, three we're talking about great performances. If you haven't seen Room, Room will destroy I haven't. you. Oh my I God. haven't, it, and I'm very concerned. It is, it's, she, Brie Larson is so good. Like, okay. since I've I have been, to watch. since I've been reviewing movies professionally, that is, without a doubt, the best acting performance I've ever seen. Really? Because yeah. I was, I, I was like trying to think to myself, like, who made an impression on me the way Lily, Lily Gladstone did, like, it, 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 in a role, Um, and I, I kind of was like going all the way back to Natalie Portman and Black Swan. almost which i thought was amazing and so if we're talking that level then maybe i do need to see that movie at some point i just i know it's a tough watch but you know i just did killers of the flower moon so yeah it's it's not that tough a watch right like uh, killers of the flower moon i I put in the same category as i put like 12 years a slave um where it is amazing 
I totally see why people hold the movie. I would up watch the way it they again, do, and I never want to watch it again. I hear you, and I get why, but I I, w- I would almost just because like there were some moments in it that were so still like so unreal to me that I almost want to go back and like now that I know a little bit more like look for those more than I did when I was just kind of absorbed in the story at times. Yeah, I, I also want to get to the bottom of Killers of the Flower Moon. Why so many Americana musicians make up uh, this cast, like Jason Isbell. Sterling See, you Simpson, noticed all of them. I didn't Jack even notice White, for some reason. Charlie Musselwhite, Pete Yord. I mean, there are so many. Okay, we are way off the reservation right now. Boy, that's a terrible term to use as we are talking about Killers <sighs> of the Flower Moon. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, at this point, kind of over talking about the Panthers. I know we gotta, I know it's part of the deal, but man, they give us nothing to be happy about week in and week out. I mean, it's, I, I stopped watching them last year because they made me upset. Yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is. Now I can just laugh at them. That's what I try to do. See you later, everybody.